Hey gang, Vadim here on this special double episode week of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. And in this bonus episode, Ben and I are going to go through our challenge from last week where we assemble a $1,000 studio rig. And we take slightly different approaches here, so hopefully it's interesting to you. Uh, We'd encourage you guys to go on the Facebook group. Just search for DIY Recording Guys in Facebook. Join our group and tell us about what you would choose for your $1,000 rig. Uh, If you're just starting out, this can be a nice budgeting exercise for you. Or if you already have some studio gear, maybe you want to just take the time to reimagine what's possible. Enjoy. You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production. With your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, well, let's get let's get into our, our episode here. So we'll start off because it actually our challenge from from last episode is going to tie in nicely with the topic of this episode. So yeah. last episode, we talked about what gear you needed to get started with DIY recording your projects. And Ben and I gave each other a challenge where it was yes. actually two part challenge. The first part was assemble a rig, a recording rig for I don't I don't remember if we actually gave a, a sum, but it, we said kind of nominally offline we said one thousand dollars would be our our budget. Yeah. So come up with a with a gear list and then come up with just kind of a fun you know dream rig if you money was uh, was no object and you could just if you got a call from Sweetwater and they were like hey man you got ten <laughs> minutes sign in whatever you can put in your cart in ten minutes it's yours right that kind of thing yeah so. So let's get started with that. Ben, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I started with the budget list. This was so hard. This was so freaking hard. It was hard. hard. It was harder than I than I expected. Yeah. And I guess I'll tell you first what I got and I'll tell you um I'll I'll tell you guys what I selected and then I'll tell you why it was hard after the fact. But um I kind of divided mine up into the different categories of things. Uh in not really any particular order, um, but I did start with the interface, and I kind of, I kind of reverse engineered what I would need to buy because even though we talked about um, a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was even last episode, I'm already forgetting. <laughs> but anyways, we talked about what's the most important part in a recording chain, um, and we talked about how it was the sound source, whether that's you as the instrumentalist or vocalist or, or the instrument you're playing through and kind of everything after that, uh, or the first things are more important than the later things as just an overall general rule. Uh, But whenever I think about stuff I need to buy for my studio, I always normally start with the interface and that's the thing that, um, we talked about how that's the audio to digital converter and also has your preamps for your mic. It's basically how you connect uh, your instruments or your microphones into your computer. And I like to always start with that because that's kind of like the, it's the heart of your computer other than, or or of your recording setup other than your computer. And so that's going to limit what you can plug in or can't plug in and things like that. Make sense? Yep. Yeah, so start with the interface. And I recommended this uh, when we were talking about recommended gear, 
but the first thing I picked up was the PreSonus AudioBox USB. It's $100, has two inputs, and it handles simultaneously uh, XLR inputs for microphones and instrument inputs. Uh, headphone out, speaker, uh, speaker cable out to power speakers if you need to, or you know what I mean. Um, and it also comes with a copy artist version of Studio One, mm. um, which is a DAW, uh, digital audio workstation. And the nice thing about that, it's got a lot of preloaded virtual instruments that come with that. So even if you're not a drummer or have a drummer in your band, you still have some stuff that you can work with in that software itself. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. So digital audio workstation, if you if you missed last episode, it's kind of like the um the equivalent in the visual arts world would be Photoshop, right? It's kind of it's the software that lets you interface with uh the recorded tracks or it actually lets you record tracks as well and really dig in on a track by track basis and manipulate things. So yeah, I yeah. like uh I like that that point about virtual instruments and the fact that a DAW is included. Is, is a great point. We did give ourselves, we said we were going to use uh, a computer we already had. So that yeah. was one of the um, the constraints. So yeah, keep going. Yeah. Uh, one other note about that too is that it, it has some uh, virtual amps built into that too. So you could literally plug your guitar bass straight into that and use some of the virtual rigs that they have there. Um, so you wouldn't actually have to have an an amp in the room to record. So that's another benefit of that DAW. And most any DAW that you pick is going to have something like that, at least the basic beginner level stuff. Okay, that's the first thing. Uh, now getting into microphones, this is probably the hardest part, but I decided on four different microphones. One comes in a pack. Uh, the first one is a Shure SM58. Everybody knows what that microphone is. It's the microphone that you see pretty much every vocalist use whenever you go and see a band live. Yep. Unless they're Taylor Swift and then they have a really expensive wireless mic or something like that. But well, maybe not even that level. Lower levels you still see like wireless mics that are pretty pricey up there, but any house audio if you see a microphone plugged in, it's an SM58. It's a solid dynamic microphone. You could drop it, it won't break. So, that's all around great for recording vocals or instruments. Just a versatile mic, and that's a hundred dollars. The next, uh, the next microphone or pack of microphones that I decided to pick up was the Audio Technica twenty forty one package, and that includes a Audio Technica twenty twenty large diaphragm condenser mic. So you could use that for instrument recording as well as vocals. Uh, but it also includes in that package an Audio-Technica 2021, which is a small diaphragm pencil condenser mic. And those tend to be really good on um, overheads, acoustic instruments, and I'll even throw those on uh, guitar and bass cabs because I think I still use it to this day. Uh, it sounds really good. But they come Yeah, you were telling me a little about that. I can't wait till we do that episode on miking uh yeah. caps because uh yeah, you have some some interesting insight there. Mm-hmm. All right. So so okay, so you got the large diaphragm in there, the small diaphragm condenser. What else is in that package? The large diaphragm and the small diaphragm. They okay, package so them pair. together. Yeah, they package gotcha. them together as 
at $200 because oh, I nice. think the small diaphragm, I think you can get for a hundred, but the larger is 160. So you're saving 60 bucks on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I added another Audio Technica 2021 for a hundred bucks. Um, and the reason I did that was because let's say you want to record an acoustic guitar and you want a stereo pair of small diaphragm condensers, then that way you could have two Audio-Technica 2021 pencil mics miking gotcha. up your acoustic at the same time or overheads if you wanted to do. So those are my four microphones that I picked. Uh, now, if we have um, microphones, we have to connect them. So I picked up a couple 25-foot-long Proco cables from Sweetwater, and those will run you $45. Uh, yeah, by the way, we're not we're not sponsored by anyone, but no, we're not. <laughs> Thank you. is a convenient place to look up look up. Yeah, just uh, the price prices. of stuff. Yeah. Um so a couple speaker or not speaker, I'm sorry, a couple microphone cables. Okay. Um the next thing was an instrument cable. And you wouldn't need this if you're not an electric guitar player or bass player. But it's just something good to have if you want to record those things. Uh, and I originally was going to go with a Megami cable, but I decided to go budget because this is budget. Um, <laughs> and I just went with a couple Proco cables. Also, you can get those from Sweetwater. They're pretty quality. Like, they're not the highest quality, but I've had mine for a few years now, and they're, they're still working great. But a couple 10-inch uh long Proco cables will run you $26. And then um, I also threw in here speaker cables as well to power monitors. So I'll get to my monitors next, but a couple Proco speaker cables, 10, 10 feet long each, that'll run you $36. So then finally, I picked a pair of headphones and a pair of monitors. And the he headphones that I picked, and I kind of I had reasoning behind this pair of headphones with the monitors. So I own these pair of headphones. They're really good. Uh, the Audio-Technica M40X. They're $100. Uh, they tend to be pretty subby and bass heavy. And for one, it's fun to listen to music that way, even if it isn't the most accurate. Uh, they're closed back headphones, so they isolate so you can track and... Like if you're singing vocals, mm. uh, you won't have bleed that gets into your microphone. Um, but yeah, they're bass heavy. They have they have a decent like high treble air response in them as well. Um, and then the monitors that I chose to go with are the PreSonus Eris E5 XT, and those are five inch monitors. And I would recommend not going any smaller than five inch monitors because i did see some four inch and three inch ones out there and mm. just in general i think a good rule of thumb is the smaller the diameter of the speaker cone uh the less low response you're going to get you're not going to get yeah, as much bass absolutely. response out of it so that's directly related and it's going to be really hard to hear those sub frequencies um, but interestingly enough, I also oh, before I go on, each one of those monitors runs you 150, so it would be 300 for the pair. 
Okay. Um, and the reason I chose both headphones and speakers is because, uh, for one, tracking. Like, you need headphones to do tracking if you don't want bleed to happen, if you're doing an acoustic instrument. And two, you tend to get a little bit of a better low-end response. And especially out of those Audio-Technica M40Xs, I feel like they have a decent enough low-end that they can make up for the low end that you might be missing in the speakers, like your monitors. Um, but I also think that there's something useful to have in monitors, even if you're not going to be mixing your own music, because it's just more natural. And, and you mentioned how um, hearing, hearing sound through a space and not having cans on your ears is just a more natural way of hearing music. And so I think you can get a, a better representation of the tones that you're picking up and mm. you know what you're recording more through speakers than you can through headphones. So I'm kind of using both of those as you could reference back and forth between the two, you know, listen through your speakers just to tell if the tones you're getting, you like, and then listen with your headphones to, to feel if, Oh, am I getting enough sub in, you know, my bass guitar or my kick drum type of thing? If right. that makes sense. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, all of that together ran me just under a thousand dollars. I think nice. nine hundred ninety. That was tough. Oh man! So you got ten bucks? You could uh, go buy a, a, a six pack of cheap beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not bad. All right. Yeah. There you go. So, um, yeah, the hardest part about that was uh, just figuring out the microphones because there's so many other ones that I wanted to add to this. But being the budget, this is one way that you could do it. That's cool, man. I'm, that that's a pretty impressive uh, list, actually, for a thousand bucks. As yeah. you were talking about it, I was kind of like, "How? Oh, what's he at? What's he up to now? What's the total there?" But yeah, that's uh, that's good. That's a good rig. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, sh share with me now. Which which you end up getting? Yeah. So so I kind of doing this exercise. I thought the first thing I thought about was it's important to define your scope. What are you trying to do? both currently and maybe a little bit in the future because you don't want to outgrow your rig, you know, in, in six months. So the scope I decided on was basically the type of artist that I typically do mixing for, which is like prog rock or math rock. So I just use this example saying, I play guitar. I have three to four people in my band. We want to record the drums, but we're okay with not doing a completely live recording. So we're okay with overlaying other instruments individually. Okay. So with that premise, I said, okay, how many preamps do I need? And uh, basically the drum kit was what, what drove how many preamps I would need. And I kind of settled on, because of looking at what interfaces typically come with, I settled on an interface with eight preamps. Okay. Um, then the next question I asked myself was what kind of connection does my computer have? So my computer has USB 2 and USB 3. So I'm going to go with an interface that is compatible with those connections. So what I ended up, I ended up cheating and I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to, okay, okay. I cheated because I was looking up used gear prices on reverb. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. So Reverb.com is a site that lets you buy and sell used gear. So because I needed a, uh, an interface that was a little heftier, I, I, I went with the Scarlett, the Focusrite Scarlett 18i20, which new is around 500 bucks, uh, but used you can get it around 300 bucks. Yeah. 
so I went with that. I said I would get a used 18i20, and then I would pick up for my microphones. I kind of did microphones next the same way you did. Mm-hmm. I would pick up also an SM58. I think that would be useful for vocals and really instruments as well. Mm-hmm. I also picked up an SM57 on top of that, and I had some some crazy logic there. I I, I kind of convinced myself I would I could get the SM57 and SM58 to be my room mics. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> By pointing them away from the kit and kind of rejecting the kit sound, I could pick up the room sound. I, I I've never tried that, but. That's an interesting concept, though. And you said they're basically the same mic. They're basically the same mic with just just the capsule is different. So the mm. SM58 has kind of like more of a windscreen on it. Mm. Uh, so SM57, without that windscreen, you might get a lot of kind of you know mouth noises and pops and clicks recording vocals into it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for like a room mic, it would be, it might work. Uh, so then I got um, Rode NT5 pair, which is a pair of small diaphragm condenser mics. And again, I'm cheating. So used 200 bucks for okay. the pair. Okay. All Not right. What, do they, go, what up, do they go for new? Just curious. New, uh, they're like around 430. Oh, dang. So you're saving 50%. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty good savings. And then I picked up a D112, which is a uh, kick drum mic, but I love that mic on guitar cabs, actually. Really? It gives really nice low end response and kind of a scooped middle sound, like scooped in the mids, uh, almost like a dime bag Darrelly type sound, which okay. doesn't always work by itself, but paired with another mic, I really like it. So I figured the reason I went with these mics is because I figured I could mic my drum kit with it, and I could also mic any instrument or any amp cabinet I wanted to, plus the SM58 for vocals. All right, so I went with that. I went with cables. I just said like a pack of six GLS cables on Amazon is about 70 bucks. Those I went with 25 foot as well. I picked up, I think one or two mics. Oh, the, yeah, the road, the NT5 pair you can actually get as a bundle with mic stands. So, oh, nice. um, So that was cool. So I picked up, I said 70 bucks for mic stands. And then I did something. A little different. I allocated a hundred bucks, my remaining hundred bucks, to buying um, acoustic panels and lumber for building some DIY panels that I could place around the studio and create some isolation and minimize some flutter hmm. effect. So, what I what I don't have on this list that that gets me to write it right at a thousand bucks, right? Okay. So what I don't have is anything to listen on, <laughs> no <laughs> headphones and no monitors, but. I did think about that. And so my my thought process was a little bit different than yours, although I like your approach a lot. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd just use whatever headphones I have laying around to listen. I wouldn't worry about monitors. I'd rather control the acoustics in my space and um, trust myself enough in headphones to get the tones I want and then trust whoever's going to mix it to uh, to mix it. So that's my rig. Interesting. So let's talk about... Really briefly, let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses, and I think it's pretty obvious just from talking about that. So, you went for you went for more bulk, essentially, with the gear that you had because you had your big interface. 
to start with because you wanted to do a big drum set. And I had thought about yeah. this as well. So the way that I would maybe do a similar project to you, but get around it, it would be kind of a hassle, but you could still record a drum set with a two input interface. What I would do is I would just record, um, I would place both those pencil condensers above my kit as overheads and do some playthroughs until I get some tracks that I really like. Then I have my overhead tracks. And then I would do another playthrough and have the snare and kick drum mic'd up. And then maybe after that, I would also mic up my toms. So you'd have to do three different playthroughs and that would be a real pain in your butt. But wait, wait, wait. So, so you're saying the drummer, as you're doing the playthrough, the drummer is playing the full kit though? Yeah, I don't see why not. You're not worried about like any phasiness, phasey stuff going on with the with the symbols? Okay, with that being said, I guess what you would have to do is you would essentially have to high pass filter so that you're basically okay. only getting your overheads would basically turn into symbol mics. Because if you had enough low frequency response, you would get flaming and phasey effects. I'm just yeah, right, right, right. So you'd have to you'd have to low pass filter the takes where you close mic'd the kick and the snare. Cuz I'm worried about like the cymbals canceling each other out since they're ringing, right? If you're you're capturing a hi-hat oh, yeah. on from two different takes. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we're getting we're getting more into some maybe more advanced techniques than just basic, but you could throw a gate on I would just throw gates onto my snare kick drum and not could just do that worry. yep since they're that that would work the other thing i i was thinking uh with with a two mic setup what i would do is is record just like you said i would record the overheads the overheads will still pick up a little bit of kick and snare and then i would probably just reinforce the kick and snare with samples and uh you know get get a passable kit sound that way yeah that's absolutely a good a good way of going about it too and you'd probably get a way more professional sound honestly doing it that way than just trying to mic everything live. But I, I just thought it was interesting the different approaches that we took towards it. So my approach yeah. would probably be more for a singer-songwriter. Right. You know, you're a one-man band doing everything yourself. Yours is more for, I'm in a band and I want to record everybody in it, which is cool. Yeah, I'm actually glad it worked out that way, that we had such different, uh, different philosophies. Yeah. But I totally agree with you. Yeah, if I was a singer-songwriter just doing everything myself, I would definitely go with a two-channel interface. There's no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, cool. That was fun. Uh, do we want to go over our dream setups yeah, really quick? Yeah, we're like, I would say maybe let's, we can just post them maybe. That's a good idea. I like that because I don't really have too much to say about it, honestly. I thought the budget was a lot more interesting. I, I would ask, I will, I will ask you though, what was your, how much do you end up racking up for the budget? I didn't even really put numbers on it too much. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm close to like five, six thousand dollars. I just thought, oh, it, really? That's it? Yeah, because because <laughs> I'm not like a I'm not like a gearhead. If I could pick like whatever, I would be way higher than that. And there's some things that I know that I want, but I have other I have other things on this list too that are like, I would still buy an SM57. You know, that's yeah, totally. So which is funny. I still absolutely bought SM57s, but I did want to see. You know, unlimited budget. I came out to twenty two thousand bucks, <laughs> right? which is definitely doable. Which, yeah, totally. And and the the only reason I bring that up is because I think 
realistically, the the recording difference you would hear from the Dream Rig to the $1,000 rig would no way be worth $21,000, right? That's a really good point. But but there's something to be said for, you know, I also don't want to be like, the thing about gear is that it can be really fun and it can be really creative. And mm -hmm. if you're passionate about this, which you probably are if you're doing it and trying to record yourself, yeah, gear can be can be cool, and it, there's there's other reasons to get it than just to get better sound. Uh, but yeah, definitely twenty two thousand dollars versus one thousand dollars, and I I had the same scope, I'll say. So I, you know, recording the same project I described. <clears throat> okay, so we'll post that. We'll post our uh, our gear picks there. I like that. That's good, and that'll give me more time to go over it and um, you know come up with maybe something a little bit more robust. Yeah, throw some throw some compressors in there and stuff, you know. Oh, that's true. Come I on. would I would yeah. definitely get some. Yeah. yeah. The most expensive thing that I have is um I mean, I could definitely find more things, but a Royer 121 cuz that microphone does sound freaking amazing. But for a ribbon microphone, it's 1300 ribbon, bucks. Yeah. It sounds so good. I I had somebody um they recorded my bass uh my bass cab with it and I just I was just mind blown because it sounded to me like, and maybe I have more of a glorified imagination of what it was than what it actually was. But to me, it sounded like I was standing in the room listening to it. Like I had all the low That's end awesome. and the high end articulation. And mm. I wouldn't have thought that was possible to get with a single microphone. It blew my mind. It was really cool. Cool. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.